Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Dreamer's Manual podcast. Today we are talking about how to create valuable, authentic content that feels good to you. It seems like in my direct messages, I get one or two questions slash feedback about the podcast. And that is questions from people who are looking to start a podcast and they want to talk about all the ideas that they have, how they want to put it together. It's sort of the strategy behind it. And the second question I get is, how do you show up and create content and create content that feels very authentic to you? And so I think this show sort of touches on both of those things. And if you're just talking about creating content anywhere, whether your foundation piece of content is YouTube videos, whether it's podcast, whether it's live videos, if it's in writing through blogs, I think that this applies and it carries over to any of those mediums. But first, I wanted to share that if you're not on the email list and you don't already follow me on Instagram at JulieCalcoteOBM, then you might not know that our digital product shop is launching this summer and we're going to have an amazing launch sale. So if you want to stay connected to get the details on that, you can follow me at JulieCalcoteOBM on Instagram. You can download one of our freebies like our Dream Team Starter Kit which is at julietraining.com backslash starter kit. All these things are linked in the show notes, by the way. Or send me a DM that says shop and I'll put you on the list so you will be the first to know when everything goes live. But now let's talk about creating that content that feels really good to you. So like most things, the behind the scenes of the podcast really came about because for those of you who haven't met Kim Weldon, she's on my team. and we were working with some social media templates that I really liked and they were a great scaffolding when I started my business because they give you ideas, they give you places where to start and provoking questions to ask that will get that like content and that information out of you. But I remember, vivid. I know exactly which one it was. I can't remember if it's still in my AG or not, but I posted it and I wrote Kim and I said, I never want to do a piece of content like that again. It felt like it just wasn't me. It felt like it wasn't giving any value to anybody. It was like it was just there taking up space. And I hated it from the core of my being. I hated it so much. And I said, listen, I am not going to create any more content if this is what it's going to look like. Like I, I'd rather do nothing then do something like this. And let me be clear, this wasn't coming from her. I was just (laughs) communicating from her, like communicating to her that this didn't feel good anymore. And I had outgrown it basically. So that conversation sparked really a conversation and a thought process on writing is never gonna be my first or most loved form of communication. I do like to write, but also I'm a really lazy writer. Like if I have to send a long text, I'll send a voice note instead, or I'll do talk to text. I just, there's something about like physically writing it down. I feel like my brain goes faster than I can type. And so I had to acknowledge that that medium wasn't going to be like the best starting place for me anyway. And my love for podcast is never ending. (laughs) It's what got me into online business in the first place. It's been my companion, my teacher, my entertainment. I just love this medium. And so 
it became the question of like, why am I not? Why have I not? Or why won't I just start a podcast? But because that thought of the IG post was fresh in my mind, I said, I will not do this if it's not fun. I also knew from spending eight months launching, editing, and managing podcasts, and then having my OBM clients have podcasts or launch podcasts, all that sort of thing, that it can be a grind. And the production schedule can get really challenging for people, especially if they don't know what they're getting into. Because I knew what I was getting into, I knew what I was agreeing to. And that's also why I said it has to be fun because if I'm not enjoying it, it is going to feel like a huge amount of work that I've just added to my plate. So that's why right out of the gate, when we thought about the intro for the podcast, now you might like love the intro, you might hate the intro. Ultimately, like it makes me smile. (laughs) And me as a listener, when I tune into people's podcasts, I really appreciate a well thought out and descriptive intro. But the reality is when I'm a listener and I've listened to my 50th episode from that person, I'm kind of over it. Like I I know who you are. I know all the cool things you do. Unless you're switching it up, which most people don't have the bandwidth or the ability to do, then I'm just kind of bored with it and I'm fast forwarding through it. So I wanted at least to give people a little bop, <laughs> something different. And yeah, maybe it's not as strategic because I'm not saying, hey, this is Julie Calcote. I'm a certified OBM. I'm a course creator. I'm this and that. And telling people how often I'm going to connect with them. Like I know what should go in an intro. And also I just chose to do something different. And I knew it was the right thing inside. But I also, when I talked to the team immediately, I mean, within like five minutes when I presented the idea, Kim had, I said, I want to do this like uh, 80s kind of throwback. I mean, maybe 90s, I guess, really. But these old school rap that I grew up listening to, I would love to do something like that. And I'm telling you, she wrote the intro in like a matter of minutes. I think she was in the car. She sent it back to me. I was like, that's it. That's absolutely it. Now, mind you, I didn't know how I was going to get this thing produced or how I could get it from an idea to an intro, but I just started looking. And I mean, within like three days, we had this full final intro ready to go. And it was so fun and so easy. I actually did a couple other ones. So that's why there's a separate one for the book episodes. And then I wanted kind of like an emo punk one because that was the type of music I really related to and had a lot of fun presenting. So you could probably already see the pattern here. There was this frustration and this feeling of inauthenticity that I had. So really making the decision to lean into who you are and then making and setting your expectation around it. For me, that was fun. And letting things unfold as you make that intention known. And then I know this is more easier said than done, like anything in life, but I didn't and don't take things too seriously. I'm not afraid to play around and try new things. So an example of that is book talk. For me, I am, or at least this year, I was so burnt out on talking about business by the time December came around. It's pitch black here. It's freezing cold. I'm tired. The kids have 50 million events. 
all the family stuff happens in December. But what I was really excited talking about is books. So that's when I talked with Kim and said, do you want to do these episodes over sort of holidays or breaks and just talk about books? And we can have themes. We could just see how it goes. It was very much an experiment. And it also felt really good and exciting. And I can only hope that as I create things, they feel as good to you, the audience, as they do to me who's creating it. And if I'm thinking I'm going to attract an audience that maybe has some overlapping values or thinks about things in the same way that I do, then they're going to also resonate with that. I mean, and if And if that wasn't the case, then I would be able to see that very quickly. As it is, Kim and I's spicy book talk episode is one of the top three most downloaded podcast episodes of the platform because you guys obviously wanted some spicy book content suggestions or you just wanted to listen to us embarrass the heck out of ourselves and each other a little bit. Another example of that is you guys might or might not have heard some of my weekending episodes, but as some things behind the scenes shifted in the podcast, I found that I had this extra time and desire to connect. And some things that I want to talk about, they don't necessarily fit into the framework of a full episode, quote unquote. You know, there's no rules about what length or what has to be contained in there, but I want these episodes to be as juicy as possible in a short amount of time as possible. But the weekending episodes could be five minutes, seven minutes, just a little dose of something. And I don't know about you, but sometimes like those more fun, lighthearted things or just thoughts that you can have like one solid thought and leave with. I like to consume that kind of stuff when I'm just puttering around the house or the yard on the weekend. So that's an experiment. We'll see how that goes. But all that to say, I'm not scared to try new things. It's not that I'm looking around and seeing that that's what other people is doing or that's what's working for other people. I'm literally just going by what feels good and right in the moment and trying things out because you never know unless you try them what will really work. Now, when we're talking about guests, you can imagine the guests are going to go in the same category as all the rest of it. I want to have guests on that are speaking about or we're having conversations that I want to have that are interesting to me. If I knew that there was something that you guys as the audience really wanted, but I couldn't find an angle that was interesting to me that I could get behind, I just wouldn't do it, period. Because there's other people out there that will give you that guest and that content. And I have to just believe that what's interesting to me is going to be interesting to you guys. And keep leaning into that. That's not to say that I don't look at the stats for the episode. As I just shared, I know that the spicy episode is one of the top three, but I hold them loosely. I don't live or die by those stats. And just because a certain type of content did really well, if there's something else that can be said or a different angle or a talking point around that content that I feel like needs to be explored, I would do more of that. But if I felt like that was complete, I'm not going to limit myself and say, oh, everybody really loved this episode. So that's all the guests I'm going to have talk about this episode from now on. I think that's too overthinking it. And I believe that you guys are as multifaceted as I am, and you don't want to hear the same thing probably over and over and over again. Now, when I first started, I had to give myself a lot of grace, right? Because those initial interviews While they were really lovely and I've had great feedback about them, I personally 
do things a lot differently than I did then because I've listened to those episodes. I would get very overexcited and you could tell (laughs) if you hear an episode where I ask multiple questions at once, I am getting way in my feels and very excited because my brain is going and I'm thinking of five different things and I just spit it all out and I don't want to wait. That's what I did in all of my first episodes. Can you tell me A, B, C, D, E, F, G? And then the person be like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to answer, like where to start. And I'd also say the same phrases over and over again, genuinely, but I'm sure as a listener that would get old. So when I started doing my solos, I probably just was really nervous and not feeling myself. Now I could just feel like I can get on a jam. It's a lot easier. But if I looked at the stats for just my initial solo episodes, meh, like they did not do very good, the initial ones. And whether that was topic or nervousness or whatever, my guest episodes were still performing better. Now that's not necessarily the case. I do things a lot more spontaneously. I feel a lot better about the solos and get really excited to talk to you guys and share all the things in my own way. So it's not so like robotic. And I think all of those things, you know, there's something in there that's created this uptick in, you know, people listening to those. So I think just because something doesn't work, if you're only looking at the stats, you're not giving it maybe the full chance that it deserves. So if you have a post or you have a pin on Pinterest or a blog topic that doesn't take off right away, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the wrong content. I think you have to lean into what feels really good for you and keep chasing that for a little while to see if there just needs to be some learning or something there that you can find your groove with. And talking a little bit more about the interviews, my style, it's going to be different for everybody, but sometimes people ask about this. I like to have spontaneous conversations. I very rarely pre-plan my interview questions. I prefer to really be in the moment and give my full 100% attention on the person. So it's like the active listening. I'm taking in what they're saying. And I think because of that, I'm also able to, hopefully, my goal is ask questions that would occur to you as a listener as the conversation is going. For me, if I had a list of pre-planned questions that I wanted to ask and go over, I would sort of be on that agenda and I might miss gold nuggets and follow-ups and things that could be really valuable to the audience because the last thing you want to leave is somebody having a question like, oh man, they were talking about this and I wanted to hear more about it and the conversation just moved on to something else. It feels like not organic and that's not what I want. My goal is always to feel like I'm talking with somebody that I met up in real life and we're having a real back and forth conversation. So that allows me to be responsive in the moment. I think the spontaneous aspect of creating content is also that creativity. So if I have gaps in my schedule where maybe I have things planned, but I leave room for those inspiration and those things that I really want to get out sooner. I don't know about you guys, but with my content, no matter what it is, I feel like a kid in a candy store. And the problem is I'll batch a bunch of content and then I want to release it like 
all in one day (laughs) because I'm just so excited to share it with you. So it's sometimes hard to hold those things back. But if I leave myself a little bit of space so I don't feel pressure, but I'm allowed to dive into that creativity, I would say if you can do that with your content and allow for those moments and those spontaneous reels or videos or lives and not be so concerned with a set in stone schedule, I think that could be fun and a lot of gold can come out of that. I also think just as a side note, because I have been, I started a TikTok. I've actually had TikTok for a while. I started it because clients were wanting to use TikTok style videos for Facebook ads. And it really was sort of a research endeavor. Pretty immediately, I saw that I loved that platform. It's just it's hilarious. My algorithm anyway is hilarious and I love to be over there, but it felt like TikTokers were not me. I was not them. Like I couldn't hang out in that cool kids group almost. And even though I knew like there's traction over there, there's people with all types of businesses over there. I follow the coolest people. There's this lady who's a car detailer in California and I'm obsessed with watching all her videos, even though (laughs) They don't really ultimately apply to me or what I'm doing. So when I started, it did feel very uncomfortable and awkward, but we also don't get anywhere without getting out and trying stuff. And I was still able to create the type of content that I want. If I don't feel like I ever want to, I know people use this cliche all the time, but like get on and dance and point in TikTok videos. You really don't. There is only limited by your creativity uh, ways to show up over there. And as a matter of fact, in that platform, I think the more real you can be, the more people relate to that and the more those videos get views and are counted and also giving, you know, showing the value that you have. So I just want to say if there is a medium that you are on because it benefits your business or it's just where you need to be right now because that's where your ideal clients are. This conversation and these tips can still apply to it. You just have to think about how you can make it as easy as possible for you to be authentic on those platforms. So I hope this conversation was helpful and this sort of peek behind the scenes of my own business and how things have unfolded and how they continue to unfold. I know I don't bring this up very often, but if you love this content and you feel called to give it a review over on iTunes, for me, it's the comments that people make that are really heartfelt. That means so much. But when people are looking at either pitching to go on a podcast or to listen, it's those reviews that really help them find out if this is their people, right? If this is the group they want to hang out in, uh, if this is the party they want to attend. So it's actually super beneficial. And I'd really appreciate if you feel called to, to go over there and leave a review. Otherwise, I'm sending you so much love and I can't wait to see all the beauty and the content that you're creating in this world and in this online space. Talk soon.